Hello and welcome to StarCast from Planet Waves. My name is Eric Francis Coppolino, the host of Planet Waves FM on Pacifica Radio, and the author of the Planet Waves Horoscope and a few other things here and there. Thank you for joining me for this edition uh, with the date of the 19th of April 2023. This is being released just ahead of the hybrid total annular solar eclipse that takes place overnight Wednesday to Thursday in most of our time zones early in the day, Thursday down under in Australia and New Zealand. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we have uh, this combination of a very odd eclipse uh, taking place in the last degree of Aries, followed two days later by Mercury stationing retrograde. So that's a lot going on. And uh, it is a cautionary in that eclipses are not only points of resolution uh, and passage from one place to another, but they're also pattern-setting events. And so you want to make sure that you're doing what you can uh, not only to resolve the past here as we approach Mercury retrograde, which is pretty much a really good time to resolve the past, and as we approach the second new moon in Aquarius, there was one a month ago in the first degree of Aquarius. Now we have a second new moon. This is in the last degree of Aquarius, and it happens to be this hybrid total annular solar eclipse. That's an eclipse that's total for part of the time. It's annular for part of the time. An annular eclipse is a kind of a total eclipse, but the the moon is just a little too far away from the earth to cover the disk of the sun completely. I'm not sure the astronomy of a hybrid annular total eclipse. Maybe there's an astronomer out there who can uh, explain it to us in the comments. They're quite rare. I think they happen somewhere between one and three percent of all total eclipses, so that's not very often. That's only a, a few per century. And uh, we are in one right now that will be uh, available from uh, the basically, if you take a look at the uh, the the path of totality, it's a uh, it, it's it's down under. It takes a covers a swath of uh, of of Australia. You, you who are in the path of totality know it. Uh, it's not a thing that will be visible from anywhere in the northern hemisphere. However, uh, that does not really matter with eclipses. They are these uh, moments of passage and of of transition and of. Um, let's say, uh, merging and intersecting with ourselves. Uh, they can be very intense times for certain people, and they, they, they represent a kind of a narrow opening through which we must pass in some ways, and also an acceleration and condensation, concentration of events as if things are happening uh, in, in an accelerated form, and there is also the sense that uh, there, there is somehow fate operating in some way. Whether or not that's true is another matter, but the feeling of fate operating is, uh, is a thing to take note of, and it often happens at the time of eclipses. And uh, one of the things I, I do recommend, and I learned this from uh, my old friend Dave Rell, remember him from the Astrology Center of America, previously Astrology Center, of Northern California. He was one of the people who prepared me to be an astrologer and introduced me to many of, uh, of my elder contemporaries whom I called up and interviewed at great length, and that's how I learned so much. The first few years was doing uh, countless interviews. Anyway, uh, thank you, Dave Rell, long gone from the planet. Um, 
and and he explained to me that one of the things you want to do on the day of an eclipse is something that you like to do. Uh, so I do like to do this, and I like to do astrology, but I'm going to be wrapping up uh, and closing up shop tonight and probably not writing anything more than the weekly horoscope that I have submitted tomorrow. And my intent for the next couple of weeks is to catch up on old business, to uh, to move as slowly as possible on new business and to catch up on old business. So that means a whole bunch of you are going to be getting your chart key readings, your chart sets, long overdue. Thank you for your patience. All right, let's talk about uh, the uh, Mercury retrograde process. So I was hanging out with my friend Kyle yesterday in his um, cafe his little bistro and his little glutinous bistro in Kingston, sorry, in, in New Paltz, and uh, was kind of giving him a stand-up uh, on stand-up rap on uh, how to handle Mercury retrograde. What are the basic things that you need to know? I've now been observing Mercury retrograde since the mid 1980s, since long before I was an astrologer, and so I've had almost 40 years of observing these things, and uh, and and not only observing them, but doing so. While I've been working as a journalist, you see, so working as a journalist, you are in the flow of information. You are always uh, standing uh, in or around a couple of big mysteries, and uh, there is lots that can go wrong in journalism. There's lots that can go right. And so uh, I have found it highly informative to use what I am uh, learning as a journalist as as a way of keeping track of what the astrology means and how it works. And I'm also into astronomy, and uh, the Mercury retrograde effect is is a real thing. Uh, when when something like the New York Times does a story, if you've got a Times subscription, look up Mercury retrograde in the in the New York Times, and you'll see they they once did a feature story, which I thought was a, a great idea, uh, which is they had a couple of writers work and call up places like Metro North and Amtrak and maybe Con Edison and and ask them to check their data and see if there are more delays or canceled flights or trains or more things going wrong. And what they found out is that there isn't, at least in in, in, in and around New York City uh, and in this one limited anecdotal study. And so my, uh, let's say, main theory of Mercury retrograde it is is that it is primarily a mental phenomenon. Uh, the thing that everything about Mercury retrograde has in common either is uh, our awareness or how we respond to what happens. Uh, and so computers you know, break on a fairly regular basis, and cell phones are on the fritz, it seems like, uh, half the time. And, and the, the thing that is different during Mercury retrograde is that Mercury is retrograde, and Mercury is, above all else, the... Uh, the the planet associated with thought, with ideas, and with sentience. Uh, from the Bhagavad Gita, one of my favorite descriptions of Lord Krishna, which I think is perfect for Mercury, is that uh, it is it is the mind of the senses and the consciousness of creatures. And so it is all about sentience. It's all about uh, where and how we bring our awareness. Now, we know the usual thing with Mercury retrograde as, uh, as written by the great Debbie Kempton Smith in Secrets from a Stargazer's Notebook. Don't sign. Don't buy. Mercury is retrograde. 
But the question is, why don't sign and don't buy? It's, e- it's easy to quote that, right? And it's, it's e- if you're determined, it's fairly easy to follow the, the rules, right? Uh, once I was renting uh, a, a studio, the old Book of Blue studio at uh, 33 North Front Street in, in Kingston. And this is going on around the time of a, a Mercury retrograde. And so um, I convinced the, the, the uh, owner of the building, now uh, my, my friend, uh, Stefan Sanzi, uh, to, not, to hold the place for me and not take my deposit, my security deposit, and not sign the lease until I said we were, we were good to go. And he agreed to that. And uh, we, we finally signed the lease on Easter Sunday morning. That was the day that I picked it. There were three owners of the building. Uh, and I'm, I'm still, still friends with two of them. One of them has left the area. So, but here's the thing. You know, I signed that lease, and it really worked out quite well. Uh, Blue Studio was uh, fabulously successful. But it turned out that this was the first lease that, that Stefan was taking from a tenant in a new business, which was going to be a real estate leasing business. And so not only was it me signing the lease for a studio, it was also the electional astrology of Stefan's whole business that he's still in now and has like a hundred units in the, in, the, in the city of Kingston. And so uh, this is one of the reasons why it is so important to uh, you know what you're doing with this stuff. And if you don't know what you're doing, learn enough to ask some questions, read some stuff, and, and when you are approaching astrology, it's better to not bring superstition. Bring a journalistic approach. Who, what, where, when, and why. Ask the basic questions. And so all these years of Mercury retrograde, I've been asking, well, wh- how, how is this even possible? So let's just uh, check in with the fact that from a physical standpoint, Planet Mercury is passing between the Earth and the Sun. And the planet Mercury is a ginormous hunk of steel. It is a iron, sorry. Unless somebody made it into steel. Who knows, maybe it's stainless steel. Uh, but it's a hunk of iron, it's magnetic, and we, we are electrical devices, basically. You know, our, our consciousness, whether or not electricity itself controls sentience, it's certainly involved. Um, and uh, so therefore, our minds could certainly be influenced by this huge, the, the, the biggest magnet passing between us and the sun. And, and the sun's rays pick up the energy and all the photons are, you know, basically being kind of influenced by the magnetic field and all of that stuff. So uh, I don't think that's enough to make your car break down. It certainly seems like there's more breakdowns and repairs of things during Mercury retrograde, and, and I think it would be worth studying. What I like to study is the awareness of how we handle those things uh, during Mercury retrograde. And in any event, it's good to slow down your spending of money. And I don't mean neglect yourself. I mean don't be wasteful and, and don't be frivolous for those who can afford to be so and even those who cannot afford to be so spend money on things you need and on things you really want and and most things especially expensive ones can uh, can wait a few weeks and i've done pretty much every experiment possible of of what you can do uh, under mercury retrograde with the exception of something like buying a house 
or buying a car. That's too big for me uh, to experiment with. But I've tried the rest, and I have found that what tends to happen is things don't work out as planned under the influence of mercury retrograde. They may have to be renegotiated. Uh, the, the thing may... The thing you purchase may not be right for the job, and the, and the money is somehow wasted, uh, or there's or there's complications. And so, if you really have to uh, do something under Mercury retrograde, sure you do it. Uh, uh, you know, in in one instance, uh, the first time I ever bought a new car in two thousand and seven, um, I, I I purchased the thing, and that was the that was the timing. But I left it on the lot. <laughs> And this is not superstition. This is just me practicing my craft and being true to my work. I left it on the lot till the day that I thought it was a good day to drive it off the lot. And I explained to the people in the Nissan dealership what I was doing, and uh, and that was that. Uh, so I'm not afraid to inconvenience myself or others slightly uh, for the purpose of having a better outcome. Now, that said... What's really going on here? And I, I can't exactly tell you how it is going on. I don't know all the mechanisms involved, but I have seen that Mercury retrograde, first of all, is mostly about state of mind, and then it is also about um, it, it is also about information. And by information, I mean that what I have seen is that around the time of Mercury stationing retrograde and stationing direct 22 days later, that information has a way of coming out. And so one of the reasons why you don't want to, for example, sign a mortgage under Mercury retrograde or even have a home inspection for a new house under Mercury retrograde or uh, get a new job under Mercury retrograde, if you can avoid it, sometimes you can't avoid it, and you just have to go with it, and that's just how it is, and you, you let the chips fall, and you see what happens, but what I have found is that around the time of these stations, and stations retrograde and direct, there's just a little something special extra that shakes out of the universe in the way of information, and so I've been able to use this strategically as a journalist to kind of nudge things along and not commit to a position. And then right around the time of the retrograde uh, or direct, usually the station direct, at the end of the retrograde, something comes out, something shakes loose. There's, there, there's a revelation of some kind, and it is the revelation that you're looking for. It's the facts that you need. It's the figures that you need. It is the concealed truth uh, that you that you need and um, must be, let's say, awaiting with faithful expectancy that is the essence of Mercury retrograde, right? This is where uh, it, it is the, the most useful in the sense that, um, how do we say this? In, in the sense that you're going to learn something. And you you need the information that you're that you're going to learn. Now, most people kind of tra tramp and stamp through life, and uh, certainly don't walk very lightly on the face of the earth. And and uh, for them, who knows? Maybe it doesn't matter a bit. Uh, but I'm someone who likes to get it right the first time. So okay, so there there's uh, there's the philosophical side of things, and, and let's uh, talk a little bit about these charts. Uh, so as I've said, uh, Mercury stations retrograde at um, 
5.34.48 a.m. That's like around uh, 5.30 in the morning. Wait, oh, no, no, this is EDT. So it's 4, this is in daylight time. Sometimes I cast the chart so far ahead uh, that the daylight savings time kicks in. But so the station retrograde is 4.34.48. That's to say 4.35 in the morning, Eastern Daylight Time on Friday, the 21st of, uh, of April. Uh, the station direct is on May 14th at 11.16 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So uh, that's 22 days, I believe. One's on a Friday, one's 22 days later on a Saturday. And they, they are both interesting charts. One thing they have in common is that the moon is making a conjunction in both charts. So, for example, uh, in the chart for Mercury stationing retrograde, the moon is exactly conjunct Mercury stationing retrograde. Mercury is at 1537 and the moon is at 1554. That's a, uh, that looks to me like a quarter of a degree apart. So that's a, that's a, like an, an unusual little thing that's like, oh, that's interesting. Or you can't say what it means exactly, but it's emphasis. Uh, and, and where there's uh, that kind of emphasis, you know, you want to just uh, keep your ears on and, uh, and, and pay attention. Now, the, uh, the, one interesting bit about this Mercury stationing retrograde is that Mercury has come up uh, to about two degrees away from Uranus in the middle of Taurus. Mercury is in Taurus also, by the way. Uh, and it does not make the conjunction. Then goes retrograde. Then it goes direct. And in about... I don't have astrology software on this computer. About six weeks from now, it'll be back where it started and Mercury will make that conjunction to Uranus. Uh, but what's going to happen is that as soon as Mercury goes retrograde on Friday morning, the moon, which is conjuncted, keeps going and makes the conjunction to Uranus a couple of hours later, about four hours later. So we get a little hint of what this uh, Mercury-Uranus conjunction is about because the two planets are joined by the moon. Uh, another conjunction going on in the chart for uh, the retrograde is that Jupiter is exactly conjunct Eris. Uh, this is a big deal here in the digital age. Eris being the uh, ultra slow moving planet, 554 or something year orbit. It's way, way past Pluto, about the same size as Pluto, famous planet, forced the reorganization of the solar system way back in 2006. And Pluto is now a minor planet, 134340 Pluto. It's no longer, you know, allegedly the ninth planet. It is in the minor planet catalog. Again, this is, might, might be good trivia. 134340 Pluto. Minor planets all get a number in front of them. Uh, I forget the number of Eris, but uh, Jupiter is conjunct Eris. And this is a, a one-time event in about 13 years. And it is probably, I don't know if it's going to be the last Jupiter conjunction to Eris in uh, in Aries. It may be, uh, but I haven't checked that one. But it's looking like it might be because Eris is getting quite near the end of Aries. It's only six degrees uh, out from the end, five, six degrees out from the end of, of, of Aries. Hard to believe that that is moving along like that. 130 years Eris spends in Aries. And and. At this Mercury retrograde and through the weekend is Jupiter conjunct Eris. And so uh, there is a lot of creativity in that. There's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of power 
packed into that conjunction of Jupiter and Eris. And I haven't studied those very carefully. So this will be an interesting one to uh, get get a feeling for. Uh, this looks like something that's adventurous and th that is bold and that comes with a kind of uncertainty that you may utilize in, in, in a way. Uh, so you can set aside false certainty, let yourself wonder what's going on, how, how, how things are uh, shaping up, and, and then observe uh, how, how you respond and what your circumstances and environmental conditions are like. Uh, this, uh, one thing about Eris is I have uh, the viewpoint that it is intimately involved with electronic and electrical and digital mass communications. We see, I see this through the historical study of Eris in Aries in particular. Eris has been in Aries since 2022. Uh, sorry, 1922. So the 100th anniversary was in 2022. Uh, and this is the era of first of radio, then of television and cinema, and then uh, as if that wasn't enough, then the, the digital realm swallowed all of the above, swallowed radio, swallowed television, and swallowed cinema in one enormous gulp. So Jupiter conjunct Eris as uh, part of this. Now, if we go ahead to the uh, station direct on May 14, uh, late at night, 11, 16 p.m., daylight time. So that's the way that we say that here at Planet Waves is overnight, the 14th to the 15th. Uh, since it will be the 15th in England and so forth and Europe and uh, the 14th uh, throughout the United States, the moon is again conjunct something. Very close conjunction, 10 arc minutes, one-sixth of one degree conjunct Neptune. So we have the moon conjunct Mercury at the beginning of the retrograde and the moon conjunct Neptune at the end of the retrograde. That is mysterious. That'd be mysterious. We'll entertain us the, the uh, superhero from south park with the question mark over his head mysterion okay so uh also the retrograde happens uh, just as the sun enters taurus sun's at 59 minutes and then mercury stations direct the sun is at 24 and change of taurus so this uh retrograde will uh take uh, most of the sun's journey through taurus there's six days left to the sun in Taurus uh, during Mercury retrograde, uh, at the end of the Mercury retrograde. All right, so that is um, that is what I've got to say. Uh, there is uh, there's plenty more at starcast.fm. If you're a subscriber to Planet Waves, please become one. If you like my astrology, this stuff does not just happen magically uh, nor grow on trees. And if, even if it did, we'd have to take care of the trees. Um, uh, so there's a subscribe thing right there on this, uh, the uh, two-hour resident subscribers. You've got lots of different options for how to, how to subscribe, and um, you can always request a promo code by writing to cs at plantwaves.net. Say that I sent you. Say, Eric said, request a promo code, and, uh, we, and we will uh, give you a promo code. And right now we're offering, uh, for full-price subscribers, we're offering um, my chart set, I personally cast a set of charts for you and deliver it in a beautiful pocket folder with paper and a pen and graph paper and chart uh, and, and the, uh, key, the, the key glyph, the, you know, the glyph key so you can see what all the different symbols mean and a diversity of kinds of your chart. And I know exactly how to do this. 
for new-ish students of astrology or people who are just curious who want to have the physical object of their chart, I, I figured out how to send it to you in such a way that it's uh, helpful. I know exactly what my dog likes to eat, too. Uh, and then we have a, a, a pen and journal set that we can send you if you'd like that as well. And uh, international shipping is more. It's become very expensive to ship this stuff internationally. We, I wish we could just do it, but we would lose money if we did. So we can't do that. So we want to just make sure everyone is taken care of around here, including you and including me. And uh, that is what I have to say, perhaps, uh, for this um, for this eclipse, so I'm going to sign off for now. Uh, I'll be sending out the um, the horoscope uh, for Thursday, the 20th, uh, on Thursday to our subscribers, probably a little bit early. It also goes to subscribers on Substack. So if uh, if, if you are are or interested in subscribing on Substack, you get all of my investigative journalism and all of my podcasts that are not uh, necessarily astrological, plus the astrology podcast, plus the articles, plus the horoscopes. What a great deal. From a writer you can actually send an email to and you know, get something back. And even if you want to talk to me, I'll send you my phone number and we can talk. Try that somewhere else on Substack or anywhere on the internet. Okay, so uh, signing off on a lovely cool, partly cloudy afternoon here in Kingston, New York at 4.15 p.m. on Wednesday, the 19th of April, 2023, just ahead of the total annular hybrid solar eclipse in the last degree of Aries. Don't be misled. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your trust and your time and your business. And bye for now. <laughs>